As we head toward Easter in the, this final part of Lent, I'm going to be reading some meditations based on a book by Bonnie Bowman Thurston. Wait, hear, and watch. In each instance, I will read a text and her account of the meaning of that text in these brief commentaries. Matthew 26, verses 1 through 2. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Matthew's account of the Passion of Jesus begins immediately after he completes the fifth of the five discourses that characterize the first gospel. This last discourse has been strong, strongly apocalyptic in tone. Its themes have been suffering and mercy. These two are also the great themes of the last passion prediction, which Jesus utters in these verses, and they are the great themes of the passion story itself. Jesus makes a very clear statement about what it is and what is to come. But his words contain a great paradox. Passover is the time of deliverance and freedom from bondage. It is a time when Jews recall the most dramatic example of God's merciful intervention in history on their behalf. But Jesus says this Passover is to be a deliverance to death. The Hebrew word for Passover, Peshach, means to leap over, to save, to show mercy. The Greek word for Passover, Pashain, means to suffer. The events that unfold in Matthew 26 through chapter 28 tell of suffering and of mercy. This is the story we remember as we gather on in this Lenten time. Set before us, then, the symbols of the Passover, blood and unleavened bread. They symbolize God's leap over all that has separated us from God. These symbols of mercy are also symbols of suffering, the outpoured blood and the broken body of the Savior. Here are the symbols of our del deliverance from slavery and bondage. May we receive them with grateful hearts. Matthew 26, verses 3 through 5. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and took counsel together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be a tumult among the people. In the first five verses of chapter 26, Matthew introduces the major characters and the setting of the Passion narrative. The setting is that of the Passover, and the major players are Jesus, his disciples, the Sanhedrin, Caiaphas, and the crowds gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. Verses 3 through 5 begin the fulfillment of the predictions Jesus has uttered. The highest court 
in the land, the Sanhedrin has gathered for an informal meeting in the courtyard of the high priest's house. The image is one that is all too familiar to us, that of plot and intrigue in high places. The choices upon the choices open to these plotters are limited. They could not entrap Jesus by argument or discredit him with the government. They fear attempting to take him by force because of the people. Either the people are Jesus' followers and would defend him, or because of the political animosity at this time, there was a danger of a riot that would lead to Roman intervention and the Sanhedrin's loss of power. And so, the decision is made to arrest Jesus by stealth, to seize him apart from the festival and its assembly of people. Jesus' situation is described here and articulated by the psalmist from Psalm 31. Yea, I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. The next verse the psalmist reveals Jesus' response. But I trust in thee, O Lord. I say, thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Many innocent people have been undone by conspiracy in high places. Jesus and the martyrs of the church have faced what many face today, injustice, opposition, oppression, the jealousy of petty officials, conspiracy. Only one act in all human history could overcome such littleness. In only one place will we find consolation and solace in the face of overwhelming injustice. Only one table is large enough to accommodate a meal for both the oppressors and the oppressed. Let us gather there in Jesus' care. Matthew 26, verses 6 through 13. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at table. But when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this ointment may have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. The village of Bethany, about two miles east of Jerusalem, was apparently Jesus' headquarters during his last week. Passover crowds in the city may have made it impossible to find accommodations in Jerusalem, 
Or perhaps Jesus' friend Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, had made arrangements for him at Simon's house. It is important that Matthew tells us Simon is a leper, an outcast, unclean. Good Jews might well have thought that Jesus was in a place he ought not to have been, an unclean place. Is it because of these unusual circumstances that a woman is able to break convention and approach a rabbi? Her gift is extravagant, an alabaster flask worth, as John's parallel tells us, 300 denarii in a time when a single denarius was a day's wage for a laborer. The disciples murmur against this waste, and it is a mark of Jesus' divinity that he hears what was spoken inwardly. Jesus gives this anonymous woman the highest commendation recorded in the New Testament. She has responded to him as a king who is destined to die. She has lavished an extravagant gift upon the human Jesus at a time when he has been battered by controversy and distrust, and most know what he faces. But Jesus gives this woman a princely reward. Wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, not only Jesus, but also the generosity of this woman will be remembered. How can we fail to be moved as we read these words and by reading participate in our Lord's word coming true? Jesus sits with lepers, allows women to approach, chides the short-sighted, and speaks words that come to pass. Gathered at the table, we see his extravagant gifts poured out for all of us. And here, too, we hear his words come to pass. This is my body. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Amen and amen.